Hi, this is Jean-Jacques Taylor, and you're listening to Jot Talk. This is a podcast where I talk about the Cowboys, the team I've covered as a beat writer, columnist, TV insider, and radio host for 28 years. I'll also talk about the NFL and the things I love, working out, streaming, food, and all things Dallas. My boy, Big Joe in the Big Rig, one of my oldest friends, produces the show and occasionally chimes in with his thoughts on the Cowboys. After all, he's a lifelong Cowboys fan, and he played high school, college, and semi-pro football. Welcome to Jock Talk, where sports is fluid. What's true today might not be true an hour, a day, or a month from now. I'm going to give you the truth straight. No chaser. Glad to have you aboard. Let's get it. Welcome, my friends. Sunday night, episode 33 of the show you guys know as Jock Talk. What's happening with you? I hope you are prepared to be entertained and dazzled for the next hour or so as me and Big Joe and the Big Rig break down the Cowboys game. And the stuff that happened before the game, you know that was crazy. Who saw that coming today? Not I, said the blind man. That's something my mom used to say. <laughs> um, I always like to remind you, <clears throat> you can follow me on Twitter at JJT Journalist. Um, don't ask me, but my Twitter got hacked and deleted. Things that happen in the big city sometimes. So we started from scratch, but that means you get to be part of a new beginning, a resurrection. Not quite like Lazarus, but, you know, you get the idea. Uh, secondly, I want y'all to always remember this, at least for the next month or so. My book, Coach Prime, Deion Sanders and the Making of Men, is available wherever you get books. I spent a year with Deion at Jackson State watching him work his magic. And I wrote a book about his quest for perfection at Jackson State. And inside that book are all the reasons why he'll ultimately be successful at Colorado. No doubt in my mind whatsoever. And then, now let me ask you something, dog. If you're involved in a car accident and it's somebody else's fault, somebody else's negligence, somebody wasn't paying attention, and it doesn't matter whether you're at a, at a department store or an apartment complex or wherever, if you're not at home, what you got to do is pick up the phone, punch in. You know the number by now. I know you do. 972-934-8900. And let those people say, hey, here's my situation. And um, the consultation is free. And you let the dream, the green team, which can be a dream team, do the thing for you. And what they'll do is if they bring you on as a client, I promise you, I'm telling you, it's been a great day for you. Uh, because whenever you're going through a process like this, um, dealing with somebody else's uh, insurance company, it is a long tedious drawn out process it can be a little bit scary it can be a little bit intimidating um the thing about it is greening law holds your hand through the process and that's the great thing that they do they tell you when to walk left when to turn right when to go straight ahead when to stay all of those things they do for you and so that you don't have to worry about anything but check this out rest and renewal get your body back right Get your body feeling good, and that's what they allow you to do because they handle everything. You need a doctor's appointment, they'll make it for you. You need to go see a specialist, they'll do it for you. So I'm telling you, take five seconds right now, punch in your phone, Greening Law, 972-934-8900. So when that moment comes, you don't have to look for the number. You just call it up, bing, hit it, say, hey, Greening Law, Green Team, here's my situation. What do you think? If you've been involved in an accident and it's not your fault, give them a call. And then, you know, don't worry about it because they don't get paid unless you get paid. You can't find a better deal than that. They don't collect a nickel, a dime, a quarter unless you get paid. So give the green team a call, 972-934-8900. If you're ever involved in an accident anywhere that's not at your home and it's not your fault. Dude, guess who's going to the ring of honor? Go on, guess. I already know, man. Coach Johnson, man. Dog, it's about time. Now, I got to tell you, it's some surprising news to be on Twitter and uh, find out from your guys who covering, like, hey, Jimmy Johnson's here. He and Jerry are talking. Cowboys got some news conference scheduled for uh, right before the game, like 20 minutes before the game, they're going to have a news conference. To announce uh, this thing. Uh, and here's why. Because it seemed very odd. 
why would you announce Jimmy Johnson going into your ring of honor at a road game against the Carolina Panthers? What's up with that? Yeah. Well, here's here's the deal. That's the only that's the only other game this year. That's the last game this year that the Cowboys have on Fox. Which means what? He'll be at the game. What else does it mean? Troy Aikman, Joe Buck are doing the game. So Aikman will be at the game. Um, it also means that uh, you, they did it because they asked um, Carolina's owner, team owner, if it was okay if they made this announcement and told him why, hey, here's why we're doing it right now. Here's why we're doing it today. And then, um, you know, everything made sense. But, man, I think it's long overdue. Everybody been wondering, when is Jimmy getting into the ring of honor? Uh, he certainly deserves it. He's the architect of two or three of the five Super Bowls, because we all know Barry won, the, Barry won the Super Bowl. He gets that credit. That was Jimmy's team that was still there. Roger that. And the team that he put together. So ain't, ain't nobody even tripping on that. Doesn't take away from Barry. Just let us know that it's no different than saying John Daniels' fingerprints are all over the championship that the Texas Rangers just won. Doesn't mean that Chris didn't do a great – Chris Young didn't do a great job. Doesn't mean that uh, Bruce Bochy didn't do a great job. Doesn't mean that those players didn't do a great job. It just means that John Daniels had a little something to do with that uh, as well. Like a lot of people had something to do with it. Um, But this is a great time for the Cowboys. It was the last – I mean, dude, the only reason they ain't been in there is pure pity. I mean, pettiness, not pity. It's the pity he wasn't in there, but it's just pettiness that kept him out. And I think this can happen sometime. Real talk now. Let's keep it real. Jerry just turned, I think, is 81. Uh, Jimmy, I believe, is in his 80s. They both look pretty vigorous to me, but we all know. All of us got, a, got an end date coming. Yep, and when you're in your know. 80s, you never know. You're closer to that end date than you are, you think you are, you know. As my dad, who doesn't like for me to say this, but he ain't listened to the show. He just turned 80, and he refused to acknowledge. He, he stopped refusing to acknowledge birthdays when he was probably in his late 60s in terms of age. And here's why. You know, he believes that, one, you are as old as you are wise and as young as you are foolish, which I've told you before. But number two, my dad is really a vigorous guy. He still works out three or four days a week. I talked to him yesterday. He was headed to see his trainer for a workout. He never liked the fact that when you reach a certain age, people want to put you in a box and say, oh, you're this age, you can't do this, or you're this age and you, you can't do that, or you're this age and you're too old for this. Because my dad probably looks, if you didn't know him, you'd probably think he was in his mid-60s, uh, if not a little bit younger, real talk. Well, so he well, hated the fact that people used to put him in a box. Let me say what? this. Let me say this about your dad. Cool. Cool, oh, okay. cool don't have an age. Cool don't. He's he, he, right? he one of the coolest people I know, period. And I've only talked to him over the that. years. I've only talked to him a couple of times. But he was cool. He, yeah. Everything about him is cool. So that's what I'm going to say about Pops. No. Nah. But uh, what I want, <laughs> what I wanted to ask you, I'm sorry. That's what I'm going to say about the Godfather. But that's what, what, yes, I want, what I wanted to ask you was, what is your favorite Jimmy Johnson quote? Uh, it's probably when he called into the Randy Galloway show and said, "You can put it in, put it in three H headlines. We're gonna beat the Forty ers or whatever he said." Yeah. But he was listening to Randy Galloway's radio show, which used to come on from, I think, uh, 6 to 8. And Randy Galloway, in case you haven't remembered uh, or you're younger, uh, was a big-time columnist in Dallas. He's what everybody who wants to be a columnist wants to be, meaning whatever he wrote, his word mattered. People cared what he had to say about a topic. if, If Galloway hadn't weighed in yet, then the topic had not been fully discussed. And if he loved you, he championed you. And if he didn't love you, he would rip your ass. Uh, but he was a stand-up guy. So if he ripped your ass, he would be there the next day. You got something to say? 
You know, so you know, so Galloway yeah. is the best. Yeah. He's the example for everybody. So he was talking about the game, the NFC Championship game. I believe this was '92, and uh, Jimmy was listening to the show on the way home. Picked up his car phone, called him, and basically said, "You can put it in three-inch headlines. We're gonna beat them." I think that was I think that was uh, the '93 game. Because I think George Seifert was the coach, and he responded with, "He's got some brass ones, or we'll yeah. find out if they're paper mache or something like that." Yeah. That's but that's my uh, that's my favorite Jimmy quote uh, because that took. I mean, think about it. Think about some coach having the balls <laughs> to do that right now. Yeah, my my. Favorite, I mean, who would do that? My favorite I mean, quote is uh, when he said, uh, that, "That's the asthma feel over there." When old boy was. Talking about I got asthma and he couldn't he couldn't finish the drill. He said, "Okay, take your ass over there. That's the asthma field." My second favorite yep, quote that was uh, uh James. No, that was Gray. No, no, there was a kid from Texas Tech that played with James Gray. I can't remember. It was, it was one of the running backs from Texas Tech. Um, he um, I, I think I either read it in his book or. Maybe I saw it on a football life. But he said I treated all my players equally different, and I thought that was some cold stuff to say right there. Everybody gets treated yeah, equally different. Yeah, I was gonna say uh, yeah because he said that. Uh, uh, I'm gonna see what's uh, because of some of the context was was as as it related to Michael Irvin. Mm-hmm. You know because he would you know because he would he would. Uh, you know, fire John Roper for falling asleep in a meeting, yep. and yep. Uh, cut Kirby your boy Richard, from Kirby Pitt. Richard. Yeah, Kirby yeah, he fumbled at the end of the Chicago Shocks Chicago game. Yeah, and uh, whatever year that was, where they were killing him, and uh, he fumbled. I think it was the last game before the playoffs, mm-hmm. and uh, he fumbled. And uh, Jimmy was like, "Nah, you got to go." Uh, so he would do things like that. Uh, but Emmett would sleep. You know, so in a meeting, he didn't care. Right, you go up and talk to him later. Or Michael do something, you know. So it was, and, and that's the way coaches really are. You know, yeah. they treat everybody the same, but everybody's different. Yeah. And you know, the more valuable you are, you, there's typically you have a little more leeway, or you got some different rules. For example, Tyron Smith don't practice them no more. Why? Because he's Tyron Smith. Yeah. So he getting his work in, but he doesn't need to practice now. Jacques, I realize you're in year two. Don't you try to come out here talking about you don't need to practice. Yeah. Well, Tyron don't practice. Yeah. You know, and and it's like that everywhere. So, um, but uh, you know, Jimmy, Jimmy built the Cowboys with his shrewd moves, the Herschel Walker trade, uh, the way he attacked uh, 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 the draft, the way he brought players in, and frankly, in my opinion, one of the best things Jimmy did was if he made a mistake, he's like, you know what, I messed that one up. You got to go. You're not the player I thought you were. Too many coaches mess up, draft a guy, sign a guy, and he's not what they thought he was, and they 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 just keep him because they're too ashamed or too embarrassed to let him go. Jimmy was like, "Nah, I messed that one up. You got to go." Boom, on to the next one. Yeah. And so uh, yeah, Jack Del Rio. And, uh, I think of, I can think of some names where he was like, "Oh, you're not the guy. See you." Yeah. Yeah. Now that's a great trait to have. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he was a great coach, man. He built his team. But if you looked at Jimmy, he didn't. He never stayed anywhere a long, a long time. I think he was at Oklahoma State three or four years. He was at Miami five years. He was the Cowboys five years. His personality and just the way he burned himself, uh, you know, he's, he's just not a guy who stayed a long place anywhere. I think he stayed in Miami four years. Uh, I'm talking about the Dolphins on the second go-round. Yeah. And so uh, – you know, he was, he was, he was, uh, I think it's because he had so much intensity to him that he, he could only stay at one place so long before he just burned it out. And, uh, you know, we'll never truly know what happened with Jimmy and Jerry, other than it was pettiness on both sides. Uh, you can blame Jimmy if you want to, you can blame Jerry if you want to. Uh, I'm sure there was some blame, there's enough blame to go around. Because if there hadn't been, if one of them could have acquiesced, if one of them could have backed down just a little bit, uh, maybe they would have won four or five Super Bowls. Or maybe not. 
I mean, we all assume that maybe they would have, but maybe they wouldn't have because the relationship would have been so contentious that they just never would have been able to make it happen. But uh, it's one of the great runs in NFL history, and you cannot talk about the National Football League without talking about that era that the Cowboys had from 89 to about 95, 96, uh, when they were one of the elite teams and uh, one of the great dynasties of the NFL. Uh, they fell apart primarily from their own hand. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, th- and, I th- and I think they're still trying to reach – I mean, they're trying to get back to those heights. I mean, that's why you have all this frustration now because those were the glory days. They won the East five out of six years, I believe. Uh, they went to the uh, NFC Championship game four years in a row. I mean, it was, it was the best time to ever for the Cowboys uh, – you know, since they had won championships in the 70s with Landry, Troy, and uh, – I mean with Landry and uh, Starback. Well, that's the, and, that's the uh, NFC That's the NFC East when they represented the Super Bowl. Somebody represented uh, the NFC in the Super Bowl from that conference every year, whether it was Washington, the Giants, or the Cowboys. And the Eagles were still a really good team. They just could never get out of their own, their own division. So that that division was tough. It ain't like it is now. Yeah, (laughs) you see what I'm saying? Don't you? Do you agree with that? Yeah, it was tough. Yeah, yeah. So so uh, Coach Johnson was. Yeah, he deserved what he got. He deserved to be in there. Ben, Ben deserved to be in there. I know my favorite Jimmy memory. That's my favorite Jimmy quote. Okay, my favorite Jimmy memory. Which is always interesting because I covered the Cowboys a long time. I didn't cover them under Jimmy Johnson. My first year was 1995, Barry's second year. But I was getting promoted in 94 in terms of they liked me. And so when they called this press conference, they sent me out there to help. So I'm at the press conference where Jimmy and Jerry are breaking up. And he writes him a check for a million dollars and sends him on his way. But my favorite memory is probably uh, he was he was the head coach of the Dolphins at this point. I'm at the combine, so this is probably 1997 or 98. And I, it's been a late night. I'm walking down the cold streets of Indianapolis, and who do I see walking right up to me? But Jimmy Johnson, and he's got this little bitty dog in his arms, and he's got a brown bag because he went over to St. Elmo Steakhouse and got his dog a bone. And I said, Jimmy, how you doing? Because, again, I didn't really know him that well. He says, hey, how you doing? I said, hey, Jacques Taylor, remember Dallas? Oh, yeah, Jacques, how did I? I said, what you doing out here with your dog? Oh, I had to go get Buttercup a a bone. (laughs) I said, and I looked at him, I said, your dog's name is Buttercup? Yeah. He said, yes, sir, this is Buttercup. Okay, okay. I said, no, I really looked at him. I looked at him, I said, I just want to make sure I'm clear, coach. Jimmy Johnson of the asthma field got a dog named Buttercup. He said, you're damn right I do. I love this little dog. And then uh, we laughed a little bit, and then he went on his way. And uh, actually, when I saw him a couple years after that, I used to always ask about Buttercup. I think Buttercup's gone to glory now. But, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, that's my favorite Jimmy Johnson story. Walking down the street, all bundled up in a coat in Indianapolis because it's cold in February. And he went to get his dog Buttercup a bone. So, yeah, that just, uh, that's, that's just, my favorite Jimmy Johnson That's a funny story. statement. I had to get Buttercup a bone. That don't even <laughs> alliteration right there. Buttercup a bone. All right, then. Uh, I like that. So uh, that's Jimmy Johnson. He's going to the Ring of Honor. Much deserved. And I got to ask you, dog. Well, not I got to ask you, but I just wonder. Like, uh, Jimmy and Jerry bumped into each other about six weeks ago, and they were talking on the field. I can't remember what game it was. Um, And I just wondered if that moment, if Jerry's like, you know what? It's been too much time. I need to make it happen now. You know what I'm saying? Because I don't. It seems like um, you know Demarcus Ware just went in a couple weeks ago. You certainly could have done Demarcus and Jimmy together, two Hall of Famers. 
And so it just makes me wonder if he just decided when they bumped into each And I remember them bumping into it because people made a big deal about it. They were hugging up on the sidelines because Jimmy snuck up behind him. And this was literally only a few weeks ago. And I wonder if that was a game where he was just sad. You know what, man? Enough is enough. We're both getting older. This is bullshit. Let me put my boy in the ring of honor uh, before one of us, something happens and, you know, it's not the same. Yeah. And so I just wondered. Now, you know, who knows if uh, – and I haven't seen the interviews yet from the press conference. I'm sure somebody asked him when you started thinking about this. But, you know, just because – I mean, and I say this in all seriousness, like – you know, whatever he said today may be the truth. It may not be the truth. At one level, it doesn't really matter because once you go in, you go in. But it would, it would just be interesting to know when he really decided to uh, to make it happen. Well, I guess we should talk about the game today, dog. Yeah, yeah. I just want to say I think when the, <laughs> I just want to say when I think the Marcus Ware went in, like he said, when he went in, every time he puts somebody in, that question comes up. What about Jimmy, man? What about Jimmy? You putting in, you putting yeah. you putting the players in. What about Jimmy? And so yeah, he just felt it for the moment. But every time he put somebody in there, everybody was saying, "What about Jimmy? What about Jimmy?" Yeah. That's a great point because it's so damn glaring. He needed yeah. to be in there. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, if he just did, it's not even really worth talking about. He was clearly. Uh, like I said, you can't talk about the NFL without talking about Jimmy Johnson and the Cowboys and the run that they had. How about them Cowboys? And so, uh, yeah, yeah, Jimmy. that came uh, after. Uh, yeah, I mean that's that's Jimmy. Yeah, I mean that's one of the great phrases of all time. Uh, so, but anyway, uh, as we move into today's game, um, I do want to tell you a little bit of something about uh, Smokey John's Barbecue. Uh, you still got a couple. This is like it, though. You need to make a call tomorrow and hopefully still get that Thanksgiving uh, Day hookup that they've got. And, uh, you know, it's, it's if you don't want to cook on Thanksgiving, and there's a lot of folks who don't, let Spokey Johns do that heavy lifting for you. Give them a call, really. Um, they're over there at uh, 1820 West Mockingbird. It's about five minutes from downtown Dallas. They got a small family package that feeds uh, four to six folks for one forty nine ninety five. They got a large family pack for one eighty nine ninety five that feeds eight to twelve people. Get smoked ham, or I mean a smoked turkey or a bone in ham, a gallon of dressing, a quart of giblet gravy, not brown or clear, but giblet, a uh, dozen rolls, pint of cranberry sauce, two two quart size, you know mac and cheese, greens, jams, or if you want to take care of the size yourself and just have them handle the meat, they'll do a smoked turkey for you for $94.95, a Cajun fried turkey, a baked turkey, a honey bone in ham, the rib stuffed turkey, which is your boy's favorite, uh, or you can get a slice for $25 for each item. They've also got the dressing stuffed turkey legs. You can do a two-pack or a four-pack, depending on how you like to get down. It's great. Give Smokey John's a call. The food is delicious. Um, you can also hit them on the website, smokyjohns.com. Go to Marketplace, and you can have the rub or the sauce, which my boy Matt McLaren used to drink straight out the bottle. You can have that at your doorstep in a couple of days. Or, as my boy Big John the Big Rig was talking about, you can actually roll out to a HEB, whether it's in Burleson or McKinney or Frisco or a Waxahachie, and go pick up your rub or your sauce right there and have it in your home. Uh, by the end of the day. How about that? But uh, let Smokey Johns do the work for you. Give them a call. It's, uh, it's, time is of the essence now, so make the call Monday. Otherwise, you're just going to be mad at me. Uh, but make that call, see if you can get that catering, and let them do the heavy lifting. And then you just spend all day watching football and eating. What is better than that? Watching football and eating. Um, this game today, dog, can I tell you something about it? Please do. It was, um, it was a little bit boring to me. Uh, the Cowboys offense was kind of uh, sluggish the defense turned it on late it was a game devoid of big plays and drama and it was uh, and I'm not complaining at all it was a workmanlike performance they did what you're supposed to do uh, they ended up I find it ironic they ended up with yet another 20 point victory it's their sixth one of the season no team has done that since uh, the New England Patriots did it one year, they had eight. It just so happened they won the Super Bowl that year. 
but it's the Patriots, so that's an outlier. They won the Super Bowl a lot of years. Uh, so uh, it was a, it was an interesting game because they really, you know, what I was thinking about at one point during the game, dog. I was like, people poo poo it when they blow out bad teams. Like, I mean, it's a bad team. You're supposed to blow them out. Yeah, you want credit for doing what you're supposed to do. But then I was like, you know, if this game ends up like seventeen to ten or twenty to ten, people are gonna be like, y'all only beat them by ten points. What's up with that? And so I was like, you know, they've always they've already kind of worked themselves into a no win proposition. And I think a lot of that is because they've won twelve games these last two years. The two games this year that were really supposed to define them, Philadelphia and San Francisco, they lost. And so people are like now, like, eh, prove it to me. Call me when you beat somebody of relevance. Uh, until then, yeah. What do you think? No, I, I, I wouldn't. I, I agree with what you're saying, but, but, but to a point, I'd like to say these guys grinded it out. You know, you blow somebody out like they've been blowing out the Giants and last week and all of that stuff. You really don't learn much from that because everything goes right. Today was. Boring because Carolina played boring. They played coverage. <laughs> they didn't blitz yeah, they that did. much. They they dropped them back. Now Brian Burns was, was and, and I can't remember nothing, number ninety five because he was housing uh, my boy. He was housing number six. He was housing uh, uh, Zach Martin. Zach Martin. Yeah, oh, he was taking him to Derek Derek Brown. Yeah, Derek Brown was was going to town on on Zach Martin, and, and Brian Burns was was tearing Dak ass up. But they was playing coverage and letting their line, so it's kind of hard to do things when a team is playing boring. Like, they, they ain't taking no chances, you know. They barely went man. They didn't go a lot of man. They didn't do a lot of blitzing. They just kind of sat back. In the cow- and that's the kind of game that you don't – you can't get um, impatient and start forcing the ball and doing other stuff. I thought – I thought they uh, what the yards per pass was like five five yards. They was throwing a lot underneath stuff because that's all they was getting. So I mean, Dak only ended up with 185 yards passing. So and while it was boring, it's good. It's good that you don't do nothing to beat yourself. So I'll take it. No, that's uh, no. I thought about that. I thought it was a, uh, and that's why I was. That's why I felt the way I felt about it. Um, as as you know, as I was looking at the game and going through some notes and some stats, I was like, you know what? They did what the they did what the Ryan they did the Ryan Washington to do. They did what the game asked them to do today, and they don't always do that. They don't always do that. Sometimes you know, Dak get impatient, yep. start throwing the ball up, trying to make things happen. And today he's like, ah, I see what I see what y'all doing. So we just gonna try not to screw it up, try not to make mistakes. And uh, just kind of let the game do what the game asked us to do. Um, now, I was a little concerned for a minute, and I'm not afraid to tell y'all that because uh, Carolina got the ball, and what they do, man? This is a bad offense. This is a bad team. I know Frank Reich just took over the offense, but here they are converting a couple third downs uh, on their first drive, and they got all the way down to the uh, – to the Dallas 37, and had they not had a sack, they had a chance to set up some points. Even if they had gained a few yards on this third down, um, they may have been able to get some points and get a 3 nothing lead. And here's what I'm talking about. Yeah, it would have only been 3 nothing or whatever uh, because on third and six, uh, Mikey, Michael Parsons got the sack from the uh, Carolina 37. But here's what I'm saying is the worst thing you can do to these bad teams is breathe life into them. And so if you go three and out, you let them drive and get a field goal and get up 3 nothing. It's not that the game is over. It's just that they go, hey, hey, Joe, you think there's a chance we can win today? I don't know, buddy. Uh, maybe so. Let's, let's see if we get another stop. And it just you can, you can fool around and be like, damn, what are we in a dogfight for? Uh, but it's Cowboys hard. went back on their second possession. It's hard, go to, ahead. it's hard to scout a bad team. Because bad teams are inconsistent. And you don't know when they're going to be consistent on something. And you don't know when they're going to be good teams. You know what they do. And you know what you're trying to take away. And then good teams make adjustments. Bad teams, they're not consistently running the ball. They're not consistently blocking. 
they just get squirrely and do lucky stuff. It, it just it, that game is so reminiscent of the Jets game, where same thing with the young quarterback running around doing stuff, and it's like, dog, when y'all gonna tag his lucky ass? You know what? Are, what are, you know what are we doing? <laughs> so it's hard to me. It's hard to scout a bad team because they're so inconsistent in what they do, and then they start getting squirrely, and it's like, oh hell, here we go. Uh, I I know what you're saying. It's just. I thought they, like I said, the defense got on their ass pretty good, and we just kind of waited it out. They they looked like uh, they reminded me of the Patriots today. Are uh, the Patriots going to do whatever they got to do to win? But like I said before, they're not going to beat themselves. You know, and that's a good sign for our team. Now, the yardage and all of that other stuff, eh, this is the NFL. And uh, sometimes you yeah. take Yeah, go ahead. No, I buy some of that. I buy some of that. So they didn't have. I mean, they didn't keep us waiting too long. On their second possession, they moved down the field. Mm-hmm. And hey, your boy Luke Schoonmaker, the second round pick, showed up from where? This time he made a nice catch in the end zone. Where are you from? From that cheating ass, <laughs> cheating ass Michigan. <laughs> that's the, that's their new name. Uh, Especially since you know. Let me ask you something, dog. Uh, this we, this we, very quick we, exit we, rant. We taking a quick exit. This is very yeah, quick exit yeah, rant. Yeah, very quick exit rant. We're not even. We, this is just so you can pee by the side of the road, then get back in the car and go. Come back. We're not to the stopping light. at the, at the gas the, station. Come back to the light. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, how you gonna wear a free Harbaugh shirt when you plea bargain the crime? You take the you take the plea bargain. They offer you a plea. If you only if we don't do no more investigation, we just need you to fire the linebacker coach, get rid of this booster, and take this three games. Uh, okay. Done. When you accept the plea, you don't get to wear a free Harbaugh shirt. As long as you was, as long as you was fighting, you can wear the free Harbaugh shirt. Once you accept the plea bargain, you have pleaded guilty to the crime, and so no, nah, you don't need no free Harbaugh shirt. Does that mean because you, you cheat nasty just got caught? If you take the plea bargain, does that mean you guilty? Yeah. Or does that, that mean that, does that mean <laughs> if you go to trial or you get judged that, that, that the punishment might be? Harder than the plea bargain. You see what I'm saying? So sometimes, uh, I mean, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you got to make a choice. Yeah, Am I but if you it? hadn't, if you hadn't, yeah, people do that all the time. Yeah, but you know, normally those, you know, I'm not going down the whole criminal justice system. Right. But in this particular case, yeah, they took the plea, so I ain't trying to see them wear the shirt to make themselves <laughs> the victim when they took the plea. Yeah, and that's really what they're trying to do. You're, you're not a victim. When you took the plea, if you had fought it all the way, you could claim to be a victim. But when you take the plea, you're not a victim. So cheating ass Michigan tight end with a very nice catch for a touchdown. Yeah. Um, I still think he got potential. He hadn't really done much this year. He got, you know, he got handicapped because he missed most of his training camp with a uh, foot injury. I mean, he just never really got a chance to get into a rhythm. Uh, but I see the things that show me why they liked him. It's just interesting they took him when they had Jake Ferguson. Maybe Jake Ferguson's turned out to be better than they thought. Or maybe they want to go do some two tight end stuff down the road. That's to be determined. But they're up 7 nothing, And uh, it was good to see. And then, um, you know, this is the drive that frustrated me because they ended up with a field goal to go up 10 nothing. But it's just rare, man, that you get a 22-yard pass to Brandon Cooks you get a 28-yard pass interference. You get a personal foul on third and 19 to help you Man. convert it. You got first and goal at the 12, and you end up with a field goal. That just seemed like, ugh, a field. It seemed like you're supposed to be up 14 nothing. Now they got a pass, and now, you know, it's a blowout that we all expected. But instead, it's 10 nothing, and, you know. That's was it. That, was that so, what you think about that drive? Was that the drive that uh, Xavier Woods got the horse collar and the face mask? I can't. Yeah, remember. I ain't never seen that before. Yeah, Xavier Woods is he still mad at the Cowboys or something? Because that was two teams ago. <laughs> I think two, three teams ago, you was with us. But yeah, well, it was. It was. He, he an official journeyman now. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was. It was crazy, man. Um, I thought, hey, if they want to give it to you, take it. But it just go back to it go back to. Do, do you think they was in control the whole time? And they said, "Let's just get what we can get and, and not do no crazy stuff." Like go for it on fourth down so many times. He didn't. He didn't do that too many times today. 
And uh, nah, he, he the game didn't, didn't the game didn't call for that. Right, right. That's what I'm saying, son. When you realize them them guys just sitting back, we're not finna give y'all the ball. So, you know, let's take what we can get. But your boy did miss an extra point, though. Kicker did miss an extra point. I was like, what the hell? He and was- you know what, Doug? I'm okay with that. Yeah. Because he missed an extra point in a blowout, and that was his. That was his missed kick. Yeah. Like, what he, he started off with a missed extra point. Then he yeah. made like 20 in a row. Yeah, I don't So that's that. your other missed kick. So go on and bang another 20 in a row. Yeah, I usually that's don't talk about him. the end him. of the season. I usually don't talk about him at all. He's doing so good. I don't want to mess that up. You know, that, yeah, he's pretty good. Um, uh, I, thought well, that, I thought that the defense worked like hell to give him the touchdown. They just, for whatever reason, they didn't want it. Mike, Mike, <laughs> McCarthy, Mike McCarthy run that damn uh, – uh, Empty set too much. Wildcat, dog. The wild. Oh, that wildcat yeah, was crap. Yeah. I don't know where that came from. That's just disrespectful. I don't know, but he could put it back. Yeah, it's disrespectful. You know, sometimes, some sometimes coaches do this, and uh, he's not the only one who does it. Sometimes coaches do this. Your offense is working fine. You got a big play. You're in position, and then you go do something goofy, like just to show how everybody you smart. Ah, oh, we've been working on this. Let's let's pull it out now. Nah, man, nah, nah, nah. The Wildcat to me, this is just me now, and I don't really have the evidence to back this up right now. It's been a minute since I've seen the Wildcat work. Like, everybody now knows, here's my responsibility on the Wildcat. The only way it's going to work to me is if you do kind of like a jump pass with it or you throw the ball out of it, but just running the Wildcat is, to me, just a waste of time. Whoever, if you put somebody in the Wildcat, Whoever you put in the wildcat got to be cold, cold blooded. You got, you know what I'm saying? It can't be. It'd be like Percy Harvin. Percy Harvin, yeah, Young Zeke. You know, somebody like that. You know, yeah. they got to be all, you know, just, just cold. So I don't know. What if yeah, you put? What if you put? Uh, uh no, nah, you can't put Turpin back there. He's too small. He fast enough, but yeah, he too small. Yeah, he, he too small. They'll break him in half if they yeah. catch him. Yeah. I'm just saying, you don't have the personnel for that. He he trying everything he can to get some damn touchdown. I think he's working too hard. That's what I think. You know, some of those calls, like we was talking about the goal line last week. I think he he been a little too innovative over there. You know. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 like, uh, I like the way Rico ran the ball today. He didn't get a lot of yards, but he's just so violent when he do it, you know. I That's like why I heard all the time. So. Yeah, well. You gotta yeah. take the good with the bad. Yeah, that's just, that's what just it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Ain't nobody mad at him. That's just, just what it is. Uh, so you know, it was a, uh, it was interesting. A uh, couple personal fouls helped him get in scoring position again. Dak finally hit CD Land with a touchdown. They have seventeen three in complete control, man. But then they couldn't really get off in the third quarter. And I noticed, and probably you did too. At a certain point, I'm like. Why is this game already at halftime and the other games are still in the first quarter penalties. or se- early in the second quarter? Penalties. And what happened is not just penalties, man, but uh, this turned into one of those games. We had one of these games. I can't remember which one it was a few weeks ago. It's just a low-possession game. Now, part of it is Carolina wanted to play a low-possession game. But when you play a low-possession game, if you don't score, you look up and you're like, why is it midway through the third quarter and we just up by three points or we just up by a touchdown and if something weird happens, we're going to be fighting for our lives. And when Carolina goes on this 17-play drive where they go for it on fourth down three different times, or is it uh, – and it all starts because Sam Williams – and I ain't mad at Sam. He tried to block a punt and he ran into the kicker, but that made it fourth and two and they just decided to go for it. But they go for it fourth three times on one drive and get it. And all of a sudden, dog, it's two minutes left in the fourth in the third quarter. And it is 17-10 Dallas. And I'm like, this is what the hell I'm talking about. You done kind of controlled the game. You've been in charge of the game. You ain't pressed. And it's a one-possession game going into the fourth quarter. If something weird happens, we're going to sit up here and go, so these fools that lost to Arizona and Carolina? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I mean, that's the way I do. Because all it takes then is something weird to happen. And, you know, football is full of weird plays. You know, punt return, a tip pass return. A, it just all kind of stuff can happen when it's a one-score game. And a bad team is saying, 
Hey, dog, you, you think we can win this one? Uh, yeah, man. I thought we'd be blowed out by now, but my girl ain't left for home yet. She's still up in the stands. Yeah, man, let's go see if we can win this thing. All right, dog, yeah. Uh, and so the Cowboys showed me a little something, man. They drove right down the field, and uh, Tony Pollard had a nice run for a touchdown. Um, 21 yards, banging. He looked good today. Uh, he was running through some tackles, had some bursts, had some acceleration. And maybe it's what your theory. He saw Rico doing that. He said, you know what? Bump that. I'm going to run like that. Yep. Uh, but contagious. he looked good today. It's Touchdown. contagious, man. It's contagious. You know, when you see somebody doing that, that one cut, Tony ain't never done that. Tony, Tony just kind of wait, 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 boom, he gone. Now he like, all right, right I'm hitting the hole. I'm getting one cut. And now I'm he, that he hit the, that. T- yeah. That touchdown run was really impressive. That's probably his best run of the year because he ran through some people and dragged a couple into the end zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was uh, that's probably his best run of the year. He had two twenty-yard runs uh, today. Uh, it's been a minute since he had some, and so he he looked the part. And so uh, they go up twenty-four ten. Next play, dog, your boy Deron Bland, yet another pick six. And all of a sudden, just like that, it's thirty to ten. And the game is over. Man, he baited. He baited that. He baited the mess out of Bryce Young. He just kind of. You know the tra- what? The trail I position. thought the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Go on, because they had been running that quick. They've been running that quick out to Adam Thielen most of the game, and on their touchdown drive, they seemed like they ran the same play, different sides, like five or six times. Yeah. Well, and it looked to me like Duran saw that formation and was like. Oh, y'all run this if you want to. I'm finna go take this one. Well, you can't throw it to Adam Thielen every play. By the time he got down there, he would have been mad and he would have been yellow. See what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. He might have been red. Now the players changed colors. But, yeah, Adam Thielen looked like he was feeling all all his age. And then, uh, he baited, he, yeah, he baited him on the play. He went, he, in the trail position, he went, Bryce Young just kind of popped it out there, then put no mustard on it. Like, I'm going to leave nah. this guy right here like I'm at Alabama. Roll tight, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is a good time to talk about Deron Bland because uh, he, he picked it up. And it, was a, it was a terrific interception because he snatched it with his hands. Mm-hmm. The momentum made him tumble, so he did like a somersault, popped back up, ran down the sideline, cut inside one defender, one dude trying to bring him down, and got into the end zone. It's his fourth I mean, this is insane, really. His fourth interception return of the season ties an NFL record. And uh, you know what? It's a shame that I don't know who the other who the other people are who who have uh, who have done such a thing. Uh, but it was it was a beautiful play. Coach Prime got to be up in there somewhere, but they didn't really throw at him. So. Yeah, I don't. Gotta be up in yeah. there somewhere. It's gotta uh, be somebody that's gotten thrown at. I guess Coach Prime wouldn't be because they didn't throw at Coach Prime like that. So it's gotta be nah. somebody that got thrown at a lot. Yeah, because like, yeah. Yes, I'm. I'm trying to look it up, but uh, you know, he's a uh, he's terrific uh, rookie fourth round. Oh, Eric Allen did it in 1993. Eric Allen. Yep. Now you know Philadelphia Eagles, Arizona State. Ken Houston, the Hall of Famer, did it in 1971. Fairview A&M. Now, do you know this guy, Jim Carney, uh, from the Kansas City Chiefs? No, that's like sound like that. He like did it in 19. No, he did it in 1972. He's a brother, and you know the only reason I know Jim Carney, I had his tops football card. Okay, from 1974. 1974. Okay. <laughs> I'm finna. Matter of fact, I'm finna. I'm saying that, I'm finna look it up. And see if it's the same card I remember, because it's him sitting on the bench, uh, and I have no idea. Was he smoking why a cigarette? I remember this. Was he smoking a cigarette? No, that was Could that you, was Lynn Barney, but it could have been him. You know, they all <laughs> they was doing that back then. I hope this is the card. Yep, that's the. Yep, I am the man, Jim Carney, sitting on the bench, got a kind of crazy look on his face, and it's a 1974 football card Roger. you know i feel so happy when a moment like that goes on because i have no rem- i have no idea 
why I remember him. I have no idea why I remember that car. And I can't tell you a single stat about his career. Like, was he good? Was he bad? Was that a career year? I can't tell you none of that. I just remember him sitting on the bench looking like a wild man on that football card. Yeah. Where them cards at? Now, he played. Yeah, who knows? I still got mine. Uh, I still got mine. I still got my USFL cards. I know you do. Need to put them in the wheel. Uh, Jim Jim Carney played nineteen sixty five to nineteen seventy six. All right. Uh, I bet he played somewhere like Prairie View. I bet he played at a HBCU. Yeah, it'll say it on the back of his card. Um, he had twenty three career interceptions. He played all those years, like eleven years, but he had all his interceptions at a six. Six year time in the middle of his career. That's kind of weird. Uh, anyway, so anyway, that's Jim Kearney. Those are the four who've done it. Uh, you know, Deron Bland is from California. He had one offer coming out of high school. Uh, Sacramento State. How about that? Uh, he spent three years at Sacramento State. And then uh, transferred to uh, Fresno State his yeah. senior year. I think Sacramento State is D2, I think. No, nah, they was uh, FCS. FCS. Uh, they were a really okay. good team. Okay. Because their head, uh, head coach went to um, Stanford this year. Okay. The guy who coached him left to go to Stanford yeah. this year. Uh, so, you know, uh, so they're a good program. But he went to Fresno State to get a bigger look, go to a bigger school. And, uh, you know, the question about him, whenever you talk to him, is, dog, how you end up not getting drafted? And he said, you know, he got a story like a lot of people. You know, he's a little undersized, uh, wasn't spectacular, didn't go to, you know, I mean, went to a good school, but not a great school in high school and just, you know, fell through the cracks, man. But wherever he's been, he's been a guy who intercepted passes and returned them for touchdowns. He had two in the state championship game his junior year. Uh, of high school and so um you know my man todd archer who you can hear each and every wednesday on the program is brought to you by uh presented to you each and every wednesday by Smokey john's barbecue um he did a big piece on him this week that's worth you taking a look at uh it's, it goes i mean i was actually there when he was doing most of those interviews uh but it's, it's just deron talking about how you know he's always been a guy who found the ball and um you know, his coach was saying he had great hips, which means he can really turn and open them up and explode in and out of movements uh, very easily because he's a very fluid athlete. And you can see a lot of it uh, now. But now, you know what he does, man, that um, a lot of people have trouble doing. And this will make sense to you if you've ever played football. He trusts what he sees. All right? So, like, if, he, if he's playing, kind of like today, you see a certain down the distance. You see a certain formation. You go, I've seen this on film. In this situation, with this formation, they usually do this. If they do this right now, I feel to get that thing. And that's what they did. Um, and so when he sees it, he's very aggressive about it. Um, I used to talk to my son about that when he played football sometimes. We come home and talk about it. He said, I saw it, but I didn't, I didn't trust, you know, I didn't want to make a mistake. And I was like, dog, if you prepare right and you see it, go try to make it happen. And then if it doesn't work, you can tell your coach, hey, I saw this on film, this situation, this situation, they do this. I thought they were going to do this. You know, I was wrong, but this is why I did what I did. Um, but uh, to hear Deron talk about it, man, he just always had a knack for the ball. And now he's playing with such confidence. And you know who gave him a lot of confidence, man? Al Harris, well, Cowboys quarterback. That, that's coach. what I was going to say is that you got to be allowed to play like that. Let me say that again. You got to right. be allowed to play like that. Somebody got to coach you to play like that because it's a risk-reward type of thing. It's like like what I would have told AJ if he would have said that, I would have said, if you're going to make a mistake, make a mistake hard. You know, because what happens right. is if you don't trust what you see, then you get stuck in no man's land. You're not doing nothing at all. So if you, right. if you read it and you think that's what it is, go ahead. Make that mistake hard. Because sometimes if you make a mistake hard, you can run yourself back into the play. 
But if you you just thinking, you get frozen. I think that uh, going back to Ron Bland, I think they allowed him to do that. They allowed number seven to do that. How many times did we when 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 Diggs wore twenty seven, he was getting roasted. And I thought, dog, <laughs> this dude, this this second round pick is from Alabama. I don't know about him. But then once he he started realizing, all right, I can go for the pick. And like we talked about with Diggs, sometimes they got him covered from behind. They got a safety behind him, but they allowed him. They coaching him. Al Harris was was he he went to get the ball. I just remember Al Harris was was little, and he was jumping all over the field, and he jumped a route or two. He was pretty good. So, yeah, he definitely getting coached um, up. If you go, if you go back and listen, and it's one of my favorite things to do. Uh, it's on the Cowboys website. Sounds from the sideline, something like that. That they call it. On one, whenever he had his last interception for a touchdown, I think it was against the Rams, Al Harris tells him before the game, I mean during the game, during one of, before he makes the play, he tells him, you see what they're doing out there? If you play this leverage, if they do that again, you're going to get you one. And he, get him, he gets it, and then, you know, he come back to the sideline celebrating like, I told you, you told me, you told me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so uh, it's pretty cool how it's worked and, you know, I mean, you know, there, there are reasons why people have career years. And this is, uh, this is one of his. But I'm here to tell you, if you look at all his stats, now don't laugh when I tell you this. If you look at all of his stats, Deron Bland, if he continues to play like this, he going to be on the all-pro team this shit, dog. For That's sure. real talk. For sure. Yeah, they was Because on, on he TV. got the interception. They was talking like he already, he already going to be off. I mean, four returns. He got to be off for the rest of the year not to be all pro. Uh, not just that, but he's um, – he's uh, I think he's tied for the league leading interceptions. Yeah. So he tied for the league leading interceptions, and then when you look at all the other metrics like, you know, completions allowed and all that other stuff, he's near the top of that too. I mean, he's literally playing at an all pro level, and it seems wild because he's a fifth-round pick – uh, out of uh, that football power Fresno State that produced Trent Dilfer, that uh, they produced them you know, car nobody brothers. really they produced them Carr brothers too. Who? Derek and David Carr. Oh, you know, I forgot about them. Uh, but um, you know, Devontae Adams too, probably. Devontae Adams, yep. But uh, Lorenzo Neal. You know, point being. <laughs> Okay, we got enough. We got enough uh, bulldog. So I think that uh, he's playing. A, he's playing great football. He's playing with a lot of confidence. And uh, my goodness, if they had him and Gilmore and uh, Trayvon Diggs, which is what they, you know, how they planned it. Yeah. My gosh, it would yeah. be hard. It would be hard to do anything with that with that trio of receivers. I mean, defensive backs. They got a lot of so, good young uh, Ron, players. They got a lot of good young players to be excited about. A lot of them. No, no, they do, and it's um, the future is bright. But that's Deron Bland, uh, terrific game, playing at an all-pro level. Yeah. And his touchdown interception, thirty yards, really broke the game open. Uh, made it thirty to ten. Cowboys added the field goal later, and uh, they wind up with a thirty-three uh, ten victory over the Carolina Panthers. Um, let's take a quick dip onto your quarterback because there was something interesting about him today. Uh, Dak Prescott, and we touched on it earlier, but I think it's worth noting, man, that your boy Dak, uh, 25 of 38, 189 yards. Uh, I think he had four completions of 20 yards or more. Uh, Last week he had like nine. Uh, But more important, man, uh, he didn't really put the ball in harm's way. He took the check downs when they're available. And this is what I was curious about, man. He averaged 4.97 yards per attempt, mm-hmm. which is awful, okay? That's terrible. But check this out. I looked up his games. He's had uh, eight other games where he's had a yards per attempt of less than five yards. In those eight games, what would you imagine the Cowboys' record was? Man, I would think it would be – I don't know. I hate when you ask me to guess that shit. 
How about it be uh That's why I asked you, man. I know. Was it three and five? I don't know. Go ahead. Yeah, that was a quality guess. That was yeah. a quality guess. But I'm guessing though. Uh yeah, I know. That's cause I'd like to be the I'd like to be the damn the answer man. Yeah. Um his I, record I, was at least you admit that shit, but go ahead. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> That's why I do it. Oh, uh his my. his record in those games is uh one and seven before today. Yeah. And the only win was a uh, 38-24 win. I mean 38-14 win over uh Washington in 2017 when uh what's your boy's name? Alfred uh Alfred Morris. What's the Alfred Morris had 127 yards uh against Washington. But see I was also going to look in those games. Not only was his record 1 and 7, he had uh five seven touchdowns and uh, nine, ten, thirteen interceptions. Yeah, that's four. I was gonna say that's where that's what we talked about today. He not he not, he didn't force the ball today. You know, a lot right. of them. Tell, a lot that's of them, that Texan game last year where they played zone, 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 just to keep them in front. They did yeah. a lot of that today. And it was like, all right, I'm not gonna force it. I mean, what CD Lamb do today? That's a, that's an indicator. CD Lamb six for thirty eight. Six for thirty eight, nine targets. I mean, we're going to sit back here in this zone and we're not going to let y'all carve us up. So, it's a million ways to beat a bad team. And they figured it out today. You know, that's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, that's, uh, that's why they get, that's why they deserve the credit for doing that, man. Mm-hmm. It, was, uh, it was good on their part to figure it out, to ride with it. And to me, that's what shows growth. That shows like, hey, this is why we struggle before. We get impatient. We get mad. We can't get the big plays going. Now we want to force the thing. No. If all you're going to give us is underneath, guess what? We'll take it. We ain't finna make no whole lot of mistakes. Uh, Dak was not sacked today. All right? He was hit. And so you end up with 100. He was hit, but he wasn't sacked. So you wasn't really working behind the chains. Uh, They finally got the running game going a little bit. Uh, 27 carries for 107 yards. But um, the main thing is, and I've said this before, and so I ain't breaking no news here, and I said this on the media match on uh, DallasCowboys.com the other day. And, again, I'm not breaking any news with this, but I was like, Carolina cannot win. They cannot win without what? Help from the Dallas Cowboys. Can't do it. If you don't help them, they cannot win. They, They can't. They ain't good enough. If you don't help them, they cannot win. And so they did not turn the ball over today. Uh, They committed five penalties for 45 yards. You'll take that. And they played a very clean game. It wasn't always pretty, but they played a clean game. They were 7 for 16 on third down. And, you know, they just took care of business in a workmanlike effort. And to me, if you understand the game, like Big Joe and Big Rick and I do, then you understand what took place today. And you can say, hey, this was impressive, even though it looked sluggish, even though it was boring. It was impressive. And it starts with the quarterback. And I'm telling you, I don't want to get y'all too excited yet. But the quarterback feels like he knows what he's doing. You know what I mean? It feels like he's like, Okay, I got this. I understand. I know what I'm doing with this offense. I need him to feel like and, that. I need him to feel like that against Buffalo, Detroit, Miami, okay. and Philadelphia, see, and Washington. See here we see here we go. I need him to feel like that. I need him to feel like that when we it's play a, them. Play them teams above five hundred. It's a building process. I think he's moving toward that direction, which is good because maybe they'll peak at the right time because we all know what the deal is. And I said just at the beginning, don't none of y'all care about none of this because you only care about, you know, if you blow out a bad team, then you're supposed to blow them out. If it's closer, then you didn't play worth a poop because it doesn't matter until you beat some good teams. Well, they're coming. They're on the schedule. And so we'll see what happens when they play those teams. Um, you know, it's, uh, and those will be the games that determine the fate of the season. Uh, I mean, we're gonna keep it real. Yeah, uh, I agree. With it you. starts with. Uh, I just, I just thought about this right here: know? the Philadelphia game, how they imploded, 
you, you know, what if, what if they'd have won that game? You know, all the bad stuff, the good stuff they did, but how they imploded in the Philadelphia game where they have the, had the ball at the seven with 24 seconds left and they just start backing up. You know what? Right. I think when crunch time come again, everybody probably hunker down. You're going to focus a little bit more. The play going to come in faster. Uh, Dak ain't going to be sending that clapping 17 times for the damn ball at the 17-yard line, making Tyler jump a little bit. It's just one of them things where right. all of that stuff just speeds up when it's crunch time. And the more times you go through crunch time, the more time you have adversity, the better you get as a team. And, yeah, they they did it. They today, it wasn't smooth, but they still got it done. So. Yeah, I think it's a uh, – I think – when you struggle at times, it's a slow it's a slow process coming out of it and figuring it all out. And I think they, I think everything about their offense is headed in the right direction. Uh, their run defense still concerns me some because Carolina ran the ball pretty good today. Seeing it felt like it. Yeah. Uh, but you know, um, you know, as but see, I sit here and say Carolina ran the ball pretty good, and Carolina did some good things. Uh, Carolina ended up with 187 yards on 59 plays. So, yeah. like, you know, what? I mean, sometimes you forget, okay, this is not Madden football. This is not electric football. Bzz, bzz. You know, people going to get some yards. People going to have some plays. You can't snuff every play. It's not Alabama playing directional U. And so, you know, you just got to keep it all in perspective. So uh, your Cowboys are getting better. Um, and I tell people this all the time when they hit me on Twitter at uh, JJT Journalist or when I see them out and about or I'm talking to them at the gym. You want all these answers to these questions right now. Well, damn it, you're not getting them right now, but you're going to get them. They're going to come when they come. When they play these games, all these questions you have going to be answered. And you don't have to sit here and wonder and debate and all this other stuff. The questions will be answered. You just got to have a little patience and wait. You got some answers today. You're going to get some more on Thursday. Because um, the Cowboys are playing good, man. Uh, and then then they get uh, they get Philadelphia. And then uh, we'll see. No, I think they get Seattle, then Philadelphia. Uh, but, you know, this is, a, this is a very important stretch. And they can't let up. They got to beat Washington. And they got to beat Seattle to set up the showdown that they want against Philadelphia. Uh, they have to take care of their business. That's why Dak was very adamant last week about we're running our race. We're not worried about what they're going to do. We're going to see them. So we ain't got to worry about what they do. Besides, if we don't handle our business, what they do don't matter. And he's very true about that. Cowboys got to handle their business. If they handle their business – they can still win the NFC East. But they got to handle their business. It'd be hard, but they got to handle their business. And I don't think that, that they can lose more than uh, probably one more game. But, you know, I think they're good enough to do that because they're not going to play anybody else this year that's substantially better than them. They play some other good teams. Like you mentioned, Philadelphia, Buffalo on December 17th, Miami on December 24th, uh, Detroit on December 30th. Uh, those are all really good teams, but they're not necessarily better than Dallas. Man, it's like – Dallas just like, to show up and play. It's like we talk about all time, though. You know, when you, when you first saw that schedule, you went, whew. I was thinking, man, they're not going to make the playoffs. And then them teams start playing bad, and you go, oh, that's going to be easy. And then now them teams are back on track a little bit. So, like you say, if they win the division, they damn sure going to earn it. They going to earn it. Right, right, there right. ain't going to be no question about it. They going to earn it. They should be primed for the playoffs. Right. If they win the division. No. Well, yeah. So, I don't have any doubt about that. Uh, so, your Dallas Cowboys – What's their record now, man? Seven and three. Seven and three. Looking pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Playing a lot better. Yeah. Playing a lot better, yeah. and uh, we shall see what they do on uh, Thanksgiving Day. We'll have a broadcast for you on uh, Wednesday, leading up to the game. 
I've been going back and forth. I think I've been shamed into doing one on Friday. Uh, they'll probably be in a brief. Oh, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. no. We, we don't want to hear nothing, man. We don't need to hear nothing. nothing, man. You're a grown ass man. We, we don't need. Uh, see, now, nah, you yeah. I mean, you know, uh, we all know that. So we'll see how uh, how the week brings us and uh, and how all that goes. So remember, uh, please, it's the holiday season. Try to be kind to people, even people that you don't know. Uh, Coach Prime, Deion Sanders, and the Making of Men. Make sure a great stocking stuffer. Uh, <laughs> uh, we always appreciate Grinning Law for sponsoring the podcast. Without them, we can't make this happen. Uh, and so uh, until we chat again, uh, you guys be blessed.